Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast of Dark Water, a podcast dedicated to the classic animated series that may or may not have influenced Aladdin. I would say this actually kicked off the Disney Renaissance. Yeah, there's so many connections to the Little Mermaid, Aladdin, in... Uh, oh, by the way, the show is called The Pirates of Dark Water. And it's a great show. It, it's a wonderful show. It's just, it's funny. And we'll talk about more references to The Little Mermaid and more references to Aladdin. Maybe not Aladdin, but... Yes, Aladdin. Okay, we'll get always into it. Aladdin. <laughs> it's always Aladdin. It's always Aladdin. But yeah, so... We just watched the episode... The Dark Disciples. Which follows up... The Dark Dweller. So two The Dark episodes back to back. And, but not so back to back. Because remember, Sam, this episode came out a year after... That's right. The Dark Dweller. It's and what's your name again? The... Who? Your name? Oh, my name? Yeah. Oh, are we introducing ourselves? We oh, are. We should probably do that every episode, huh? Probably. Probably. My name is Sam. And this is Richie. And yeah, so the Dark uh, Disciples is, uh, it's a good episode. I think it's a great episode. It's another very- You're going to say pl- great? What? You're going to say great? I was. I just said great. No, I'm just saying, like, I, I thought it was good. I think it's it maybe a little slow in parts. There's, it's slow in parts, right, but it's, vi- it's another plot-heavy episode, which- I, that's what I like about this show. Yeah, is other '90s shows are very loose plots. Um, you could miss an episode and nothing would really change. You can miss a whole season and of some shows. Missing and a wouldn't... season of Animaniacs isn't going to change the the world of the Animaniacs, right? Whereas these this show, it's like there's a sequential order, and some episodes are just like this is important to the entire plot. Everything changes with this episode. And this yeah. is this is one of probably the three big plot hinging episodes. Yeah, and I love that the the world building episodes are are never boring for the most part. For right? the most part, right. There's only a few bad episodes. Yeah, but I mean, uh weirdly enough when we talked about last at the end of last episode this this break that happened, but this really does feel like a season finale. It does. It doesn't feel like I'm picking up after a year. This feels like I'm getting ready to take a year off of the show. Right. The only thing that catches me off is when they talk about the treasures of rule at the beginning of this episode. It feels very recappy. It's kind of like the beginning of a Harry Potter book where in like the first few books, J.K. Rowling like re-explains the world. And like, I just finished the last <laughs> book. But if you were reading them as they're coming out, you're like, oh, yeah, I needed this refresher. Oh, what's Quidditch? Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. What's the, what, are the pri- what are the treasures? Oh, yeah, these are what they are. Yeah. I mean, it, it starts more or less like a, a, a basic run-of-the-mill episode of the show. It's like, well, we got the seven treasures and Bloth is still on our trail. And it's like, yeah, okay, what it what's going to make this episode stand out? And it turns out there's there's quite a lot. Um so yeah, let's let's get into the recap because I have a lot to talk about, um, and especially down the line, uh, as far as like voice actors, which y'all know if you've listened to the show, I love me some voice actors, and I love tricking yeah. Richie into figuring out who these people are. Yeah, I I just don't. I'm not good <laughs> with voices. No, apparently not. But um, but yeah. So uh, let's get into this recap. Uh, we start off. They're looking at their treasures. It is, like you said, it is a recap of kind of like. They're like, oh, we have the seven treasures. They even say that. How is this both like a season premiere and a season finale? Um, You know what I mean? Like, it it feels like the season premiere of a show where it's like, oh, if you haven't been with us last season. It's like when I, because I didn't watch Lost. I didn't watch the first season of Lost as it aired. (gasps) Neither did I. 
oh fun so i i watched it on dvd and then season two kind of more or less opens with like the plane crash again right but then you see it from a different perspective and that's kind of what the right that's what season two is about yeah and so it, it this kind of feels has that feeling of like hey just in case you didn't watch season one these are the treasures this is what they do these are the bad guys scooby-dooby-doo <laughs> right and scooby-dooby gets referenced in this episode yeah and so um so yeah we start off uh bloth and his men are after after the knights of ren are after ren and his crew um and they're going through what was, what was the name of the the tunnel called again um it is called the teeth of motus Ooh. Which is very similar to that first episode when they're going... It's like the first or third. It's one of the early episodes because they have the wraith. And they don't get the wraith in the very first episode. But they're going up like on the waterfall. It's like the back of the dragon. Yeah. And they have Niddler. Um, and it's just... It's another one of the chase scenes. Uh, Conk picks up uh, Tula with a pitchfork like, yeah. like he tends to picks, do. Picks her up on the belt. Tula seems kind of not Tula-ish in this episode. Oh, that's what I was going to say because... I I've noticed this episode and I think the last episode too like we've seen Tula control the the dragoons the dargons what are what are they Dra- uh I have them written down but there's some some off some anagram for dragon mm, right. but like she's controlled the the dragon creatures before and the past like few episodes she she hasn't and I wonder if that's just like a inconsistency thing because it's like we keep going back to the same thing of like, oh, let's throw them to the Constrictus. Let's uh, keep using the dragons. But I, I don't know. I At this point, I'm like, Tila, do something because you're feeling pretty inconsistent in this episode. She, her power set and her, her just like her abilities seem shortchanged. Right. And, and I don't know if it's just because she... Um, isn't connected to the earth and she needs to be connected to the earth. Like, she can just put her foot like in the Tyranus. water. Yeah. And she could put her foot in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Jody Benson could put her foot out of the water. <laughs> yeah. She's done it before. She's done it before. The, what, the good it did her. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah. So she, I, I don't, I just. Ah. She just doesn't have the power, but she does for yourself. She throws a knife. You know what it is? She's missing her shoulder pad. She is. Those <laughs> shoulder pads. That's what it was. That's what it was. It was problem solved. She yeah. needs to put those shoulder pads back on. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I Man. Oh, I can control the dragons, but I guess I don't need the shoulder pads. Yeah. Although I think that was the episode that she controlled the dragons in when she tossed the shoulder pads. Did she toss it before? Yeah. She tossed it at the beginning of the episode. Well, now there's no excuse. Pirates <laughs> of Dark Water. Come on. You, you got lazy with the animation <laughs> and lazy with her powers. Yeah. So... Anyway, so she she's able to she it's Conk. She just swipes yeah, her knife at Conk. Yeah, and Conk tries to like stay on s- stay the on the boat, wraith. but he's like hanging on the side of the wraith, and it, they're going through this this really tight corridor. And uh, Ren says they have to like essentially thread the needle. It's a pretty tight squeeze. And what I thought they were gonna do was release the the sails like they always do, <laughs> and go through, but they don't. They just destroy their mast again. They always destroy that poor boat gets so abused. It's it's insane. And so they uh they're looking around, they're trying to figure out a place to dock because there was well, some damage to n- it. No, so they get through it, Conk is off, and um and a fire there's fireballs flying through the air and one of them hits the boat and goes through. Yeah. And so they're sinking and they have to, and Ayaz are Ayaz and Ren are trying to bail out the water and Tula's looking at a map for a safe port to dock at. Mm-hmm. Um and she says there's only one place to go. And that place is the glory of myrrh, Octopon. Yes. 
She says all of those lines. <laughs> she says all those lines. No, but it's 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 funny. Like uh, we were talking earlier. Like you you felt like this should have been a bigger moment. Kind of, like I felt like there should have been lead up to it. But I mean, they do talk about like they remember the glory of Octopon. But it's just like, oh, this isn't just a run of the mill episode. We're we're going to freaking Octopon. We're going back to where Ren grew up. Essentially, we're going back to where it all began. And it, it's funny though, like. It almost feels like if this was a modern TV show, I think the idea would have been, and especially if this is like a season opener, which it kind of it technically kind of is. is. It's a year later. It is a year later. And it's, you would think the last episode, something like this would have happened. And they're like, well, we need to go back. Go back where? Back to Octopon. And uh, kind of like, like it would have been a good enough cliffhanger. It wouldn't have been uh michael losing walt at the end of season one of lost right it would have been that it wouldn't have been like oh crap there's other people on the island but it it would have been like oh interesting we're actually gonna go back to octopon Mm -hmm. yeah they and they don't do that but i don't even know if they knew that they were gonna go back to octopon after the last episode true and you know i just i just realized too like tula and Ayaz haven't been to octopon as as far as we know on the show they do talk about they remembered it used to be the glory and crown jewel of it of Mer, and now it's just a ghost a ghost port. Yeah, they're, very easily they could have been to Octopon. Mm-hmm. It's not they're not saying oh we've never been here. No, but, it's but also they don't talk about their memories of it necessarily, except yeah. for maybe rumors of it. I just forgot that they were they didn't meet Ren at the same area as the lighthouse. Like he went to a different port in oh, episode yeah. one. True, that so, it, that's true. So at this point. Our heroes get split up. Well, so they get to Octopon, yeah. and it it's in shadow, basically. It's dark. There's no one there. It's a, it is a ghost port. So then when Ren left, was that more or less how it looked? Um, I believe so, because in the first episode, you have Primus giving Ren a vision of what Octopon used to be, that yeah. shining city, and then when that vision isn't present, you kind of just see a dilap- dilapidated city that looked abandoned. Um, so I, I don't know why he was even out on the lighthouse, maybe just to like warn sailors that, Hey, there's rocks here. This is where Octopon once was. I guess so. And maybe at that point, Octopon was kind of like a legend. Like it couldn't have been a legend for too long. No, I guess not. Um, I can't, there, I, they do mention how long the time gap is in a different episode between King Primus and Ren, but I can't remember. I think he's 18. Yeah, so he would have had I'm to 16, leave Daddy. Ren at um at the lighthouse with Jenna. Yeah. Who I for some reason I didn't remember she had a name, which is probably bad on me. But I mean we keep calling her Aunt Brew because that's more well actually, can we still call her Aunt Brew? Because we Well, we'll get into it. Well I mean we could talk about it now because Nidler decides to bring Ren over to the lighthouse for him because Nidler can choose when he wants to fly. Yeah, he he has that weird syndrome where he has the Scooby Doo syndrome where he eats and he eats and he eats and he never gets uh he never gets fat and so he can kind of pick and choose when he's able to carry Ren and other people and when he can't. And you know why he doesn't get fat? Cuz he only eats fruit. Oh. It's much like Shaggy in the uh, Scooby Doo, also Hanna Barbera cartoon, so it's relevant. Yeah. Um, VHS. Scooby Doo goes to Hollywood. Remember I, that VHS cover? I do. It's it's him on the Walk of Fame, and he has his sunglasses lifted up, and it's yeah. I I never I know I don't think I ever watched it, but I remember seeing it. I'm pretty sure it's the Scooby Doo Where Are You 
episodes and in between the episodes they have interviews with shaggy and shaggy they talks about oh i used to be 300 pounds and it has like a picture of shaggy 300 pounds which is odd <laughs> and then he's like oh and then i became a vegetarian and i was just eating like vegetable sandwiches and then i lost all this weight the next episode that they play of Scooby-Doo on that VHS is Shaggy making a giant bologna sandwich and he's about to eat it and he doesn't because like the villain steals it. <laughs> I'm like, technically you didn't eat meat, but you're definitely not a vegetarian if you're making a bologna sandwich and about is to it, eat it. So is is the the pretense that this is a document, like Scooby-Doo, where are you, is a documentary or are they actors on the set of Scooby-Doo playing themselves? I don't think that it went that far. I don't think that they thought it out. I think it was just like episodes and then they like talked about what happened in the episode, like in their mystery. I think they were talking about it as if it was a case. Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah, it, they, it was not office-esque because obviously the shows were not made that way. No, because they, they were probably new animation for that VHS. Yes, it was new animation. But anyways, Niddler's like that because yeah. at the beginning of the episode, he had all these Mingo Melons and he was, and sometimes he's like, oh, I'm too full. I'm too hungry. Yeah, I Minga, just... Mingo, Mingo, Melons. Niddler, Niddler, I feel like is purposefully inconsistent and that makes sense for his character. Mm-hmm. whereas like Tula in this episode being inconsistent with her powers and her her like uh fighting, fighting skills like that feels just lazy yeah it did feel kind of lazy so ren goes to the lighthouse and finds a picture of jenna um it's he it's, caresses that photo <laughs> he, he caresses this photo of his aunt is that even his real aunt i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't think that they explain her exact relationship to primus do they even say aunt i don't know <laughs> <laughs> or is that just something we drafted onto her we might have drafted it onto her but because we'll, that's the archetype that's at the least. archetype but he grabs it and i will say the frame is very nice because it's made out of seashells. seashells okay there's photos <laughs> yes or is that a painting of her I don't know because it well, and it's not just of her. It ha- it's only halfway there because the, we also have young Ren is on the bottom of it, and somewhere that picture is missing. Yeah, which we'll find out where it is a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, you Ooh. know, it's a world of magic. Yeah, um, magic doesn't need to explain itself. No, like we, like talked we talked about, about the last episode. Magic mm-hmm. is magic. Yeah, yeah. Um, what a weird that moment was just like my 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 friend Jenna. <laughs> it's like oh, no wonder you're not going after Tula. The- <laughs> But speaking of Tula, yeah. Tula and Ayaz, I I really like the interactions with Tula and Ayaz when they don't have Ren around. Yeah, do you it's not is it comparable to Han and Leia or do you mm. do you think it's a little bit more or less bickery, more like I feel like it's I feel like it's Han and Leia if um they weren't romantically interested yeah there isn't there isn't like romantic there's no chemistry. romance in this show there's like almost romance in the dark dweller episode with tulan and ren but it ends up being the dark dweller yeah um but no there's not really any romance which we we had thought at the beginning there probably would be but the, the show is pretty good about not having any romantic interest. yeah i mean it, it doesn't need to have it but it it's doesn't. just it's it's surprising in a good way yeah that it's not falling like i i was surprised that tula wasn't a princess and i'm surprised that you know there's not a romantic subplot because mm-hmm. it doesn't need it which it doesn't need it and it makes ayaz when ayaz and tula are alone together it makes those interactions all the better because they're pretty much equal like ayaz has a lot of brute force mm-hmm. um and he's a good fighter but Tula's also a pretty good fighter and very crafty. Well, and she's, she's smart about how she's her smart about how she yeah. does it. So, like, they're looking for wood because they need to f- patch the hole in the wraith. Yeah, 
and Ayaz finds a ship and he's like stomping on the deck to try to see if it's good wood and he falls through and there's a bunch of leeches there. They would. He's good. <laughs> they would. He's, he's good. good. <laughs> if you haven't seen Don Cheadle as Captain Planet, please watch it immediately and then come back to this. And so Tula's trying to reach out to him and this is like Tula just is not very capable here. I'm like, use your necromancer powers to control the slug, the termite, slug, piranha. Oh, yeah. Why did she do that? I was really confused. I'm like, inconsistent Tula. She does end up saving him by like flying, doing a kick on the side of the ship. Yeah. I mean, which is, which is smart. But at the same time, like, I I feel like if she would have grabbed one of those, did her little power thing. Right. Oh, and Ayaz was stuck because there was a, a beam stuck on his foot. Um, and also, this is uh, this is Tula coming into an abandoned pirate ship. Oh yeah, uh, kind of like Jodie Benson in The Little Mermaid. Yeah, the Little Mermaid. A little bit of a reference. A little bit. It's yeah. loose. <laughs> um, and they like get the slugs off him, and then they go back to the ship, um, to the wraith. And there's these weird, uh, like blue-eyed or like blank-eyed people. They're there. blank-eyed. They're blank-eyed people that are scavenging the ship. And Tula and Aya is kind of, they like keep saving each other back and forth in this episode. So it's almost kind of like a, a Gimli Legolas relationship. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, why is that interesting? No, I just think I, I hadn't thought it, not for the reasons we'll get into later, but I just, I I guess that is kind of what it's like. I go, because Han and Leo was just my first thought because Star Wars is right. the outside of Aladdin, which hadn't existed yet. Yeah. Star Wars was the obvious like reference point. But yeah, I guess Legolas and Gimli. Yeah, because Tula says, Oh, I saved you this time when they're on the the bad pirate the pirate ship that has the leeches on it. And then this time she gets knocked over again, which is which is odd, but but Aya saves her and he's like, Oh, now you owe me. So they go back and forth and it's like it's just a fun banter between them. Yeah, I um, I do like that, yeah. But somehow both of them get kind of caught off guard and then uh ren comes in with nidler and he says is this what the citizens of of octopon have been reduced to to scavengers, scavengers and like whatever Riff raff? street rats? rats i don't buy that <laughs> um and and then i think uh is this the point where the the dark disciples come up they look like the David Bowie guy in the first episode. Kind of, but I actually really like the design of it with them in the hood and the way the shadow looks on their their green faces. I think right. that's really effective. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know who these guys are. It feels I... very Johnny Quest. Ah, yeah. Which another. is another Hanna-Barbera show, and I think... I'll bring it up later, but yeah, keep right. going. Um, and I thought, I thought it was the guy from the first episode... Um, but then they take off their hoods and it ends up being like a red Martian with black hollowed out eyes. Yeah. And they're the dark disciples. Um, Bloth also has come to port and he like is spying on Ren this whole time. And they're like, we can't get to port because there's dark water, but let's see who's taking Ren captive. Um, so then Ren is taken. Do they, they just kind of watch the episode from the sidelines kind of kind for a of. little bit. They interact like once or twice in it, but they are not players in it. No. In the episode. Uh, for the most part, um, they take Ren to the palace, and the palace kind of looks like a Disney Renaissance scene. It looks like uh, when when the Beast is like leading Belle through the the different halls, but it also looks like the library from Beauty and the Beast. Right. It looks like if the library was in the East Wing. There was also like a, a Blackbeard pirate, and it looked like there was like a cloth <laughs> across it, <laughs> it which I thought that was kind of funny. 
but uh yeah it it's a it's a cool design i mean like i i kind of like seeing the the rundown octopon yeah it was it was cool to see and then they bring them to their leader yeah he reminds me of the king of rohan a little bit because he says son of primus you have no power here oh and yeah and he kind of has the evil voice and he sounds like the weathered king of rohan from lord of the rings <laughs> oh yeah and i'm like oh this is interesting and he has a big pool in front of him and uh, just he, of all dark water dark water and he has a skull necklace that has which dark is water really in cool it, which is really cool it looks like the brain from teen titans both the tv show and um He's like in the last season. Um, I I wouldn't know. He's also um, part of I think the Legion of Doom in the Teen Titans, the comic books from the nineteen. For everyone who loved the Wonder Twins uh, tangent from three episodes ago, <laughs> oh, Teen Titans is much better. You'll understand this reference. Yes, I I just got into Teen Titans and they're great. But anyways, he does. It looks like that, and he's he's a bad guy in like this in the other DC properties. So it's still the same. Oh, Warner okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a good reference there. That is You're a welcome, good reference. You're welcome, DC and Warner Brothers. Yeah, our, the representatives from DC and Warner Brothers who are in studio with us are all applauding for some reason. Wow. <laughs> that's that's great. You can't... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can clap louder. That's fine. We'll, we'll pick it up on great. mic. Wow. It's great to, great to see you guys. Anyways. Um, um, so he walks across the water and he's no Jesus. He is... He takes off his hood and he is Morpho, a.k.a. Two-Face. Yeah, so instead of a burnt acid face, it's a half-fish octopus. It, it's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. It's half Davy Jones, half just a normal guy. But then when they... So we learn about Morphos. Um, Morpho. Morpho. Morphoius. He was a alchemist of primuses actually yeah yeah and he he got a little you know prideful and he was like i want to find the most powerful force in all of he wanted to control the dark dweller which this is the second time an alchemist has tried to use dark water for power oh yeah and i mean it makes it sense because it doesn't turn out well no i mean oh would he have known that girl probably not no he would have right because she was courting the king at that time oh <gasps> there's a very good you're right yeah, from um, I can't even remember the uh, remember that episode's name, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the the girl from, I have all the episodes <laughs> right here. Richie's gonna look it up. Um, a drop of darkness. Drop of darkness. The the old lady who tries to use dark water to uh, make herself young. Yeah, so in dark water, just it just isn't worth trying to use for your own magical gains. No, but there is something to it. Uh, there is power in it that probably, if controlled, you can take over the world. And that's what Bloth's thing is. Bloth isn't trying to... You're, no, is, you're he, right, because he wants the treasures to so control... So he can control dark, the dark water. Right. And I don't think that he knows how that really works. No, it's going to be that thing where he picks the wrong cup of Christ and he drinks out of it and surely this is the 13 treasures of rule and he he drinks oh. it and he turns into a skeleton but you i feel like that's bloth's path right is that he doesn't know what he's doing i hope that something happened like he gets it and then he would turn into this like a skeleton servant of the dark dweller that's another thing so we see in this flashback uh, and we'll get more into the flashback in a second but the dark uh, water hovers over an octopus and just crumbles it into a skeleton right oh yeah so because they find the dark 
um, the Dark Dweller can actually speak to Morpho through his skeleton head necklace. Yeah. So that's another power. That's is that this- the skeleton of the octopus? No, it's just it's just a random skeleton. It's just a random hand. skeleton necklace. So that interesting thing. So dark water is something that Morpho can control. He uses it. They use it in guns. So I'm yeah. like, I don't know how much of an extension of the Dark Dweller it is. Well, I think it it's be- the Dark Dweller is for sure like possessing them, or has some sort of power over. Well, I mean, what is dark? Is the Dark Dweller all dark water, or is dark water something that he emanates and can give you some some to control? I that- think it's that. Because he there's dark there's dark water in the throne room in his sea and he can walk over it and they use it like in their guns, but then he, the dark dweller can speak to him, which means that somehow the dark dweller is connected to all dark water. I think as long as he has like that necklace on, like that power emanates or whatever I, that word is. It yeah, just, it's like a it's kind of like the um, the magic stone in Wind Waker. That yeah, Tara I can, can see talk that. to Link through. It's just interesting. It's I, in, it's I think inter- what is this first... like episode fourteen, and we're finally going into the nitty gritty of the dark water because they're giving us nitty gritty. Yeah, which is great. It took a long time. We didn't even see dark water for the first few episodes. Why did we need the baby leviathan? Why did we need? Well, I know why we need the roulette episode, and I guess because oh, those are the episodes they find the the and treasures. The baby leviathan leviathan skin can sustain dark water for a little bit. I'm just trying to find an excuse to cut those episodes out of someone well, else's we rewatch. We could not have it be about baby. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, why they've waited this long to get this into it. Yeah, and because it's interesting, and I, I enjoy talking about the nitty gritty of how the dark water works. But anyway, so the design of Morphos when he's in his human form reminded me of like uh, how Johnny Quest's like human characters looked. Oh yeah. Just design-wise. And so even with that, and I would even say with like how the Dark Dweller looks in the previous episode is kind of that Johnny Quest uh, slash Scooby-Doo monster. Like the, right. the yeah. Yeah. Who so, voices uh, Morpho? Morpho, I believe, is Frank Welker, the VIP MVP <laughs> Pirates of Dark Water. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, we'll we'll come up. We'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode. Um, Yo, uh, the people who made the Pirates of Dark Water show, why don't you uh, list who voices each character at the end of each episode so we don't have to guess and do a lot of research? Yeah, IMDb doesn't know. Yeah, because you don't list it on your, your credits list. You just give a list of names, which, I mean, there's some interesting names in that list, but I want to know who they voice. And Wikipedia doesn't give credit to some people. Yeah, it's just kind of kind of insane, and it, it makes it a little bit frustrating when you recognize a name at the those credits and you don't know who they voice. And I I'm just I I won't rest until I find out. <laughs> so, anyways, the Dark Dweller says he's coming. Mm-hmm. So he's he's not just infinite. I am all dark water. He has to come out of his dark dwelling and ooze towards them, as they say it in the episode. Yeah. Um. So he's coming towards them. He, he goes over an octopus, and the octopus just turns just him passing. Yeah. Turns the octopus into a skeleton, which gives us more interesting information. Dark water just can kill on contact. It's not just it eats and rips apart like the people, because we don't see what happens to them. And Tula survived. Um. No, like the dark water, unless it decides, unless he's controlling it so that it doesn't it just destroys and yeah kills yeah it's it's dark water is super cool and super scary i i i still i still feel like i'm missing like one thing that makes it all make sense you know what i mean like as far as like consistency and what 
its actions are like i just need that one line of dialogue where he just goes i choose who i want to kill or something right Where if it's just like you put your hand in there does it just is it just acid yeah yeah and i and i don't know and i feel like i keep i can only like try to connect it to other things like fern goalie or the smoke monster or like an oil villain from captain planet which is what it feels like it yeah feels like because this is the era of saturday morning cartoons that had to be educational yeah and so like you have that necro or ecomancer episode where it's very much it's pollution right so i mean it it doesn't necessarily have to i it it, it doesn't break the the uh it doesn't break the show at all but i i just feel like it's missing that one thing that in it could come up because yeah. we're getting even just in the past two episodes, we've learned so much about dark water. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not going away. Like there's so much more. It's like becoming more and more present. Yeah. Um, but somehow Ren and them get away. Yeah. They just, Oh, they take them down to the, to the waterfront, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they were going to, uh, Oh, because they wanted them to get the 13 treasures and Morpho was like, I'm going to get them for, the dark dweller the seven treasures that they the have seven treasures that they have and ren goes on the ship and he goes to the hiding spot and he can't find them um so then they get back up on the dock and they said well we're gonna give uh Ayaz to the dark water so they start to push him in and then one then all of a sudden one of the hooded figures looks familiar oh yeah and uh she gives ren a club and uh he saves Ayaz and they fight him off and then they uh, somehow they're they run away and they're like who the heck is this but they're on our side and they lead him to uh the end of an alley and they're like well whoever it is that's leading us is tricking us because they just led us to an alley and um she whistles through a pipe and a door secret passage opens and they go in and the bad guys run past the alleyway and ren's like who are you and they take take off the hood and it's Aunt Baru. It's Jenna. It's Jenna. Jenna, who is voiced by <laughs> uh, someone, uh, not just someone, um, an actress by the name of Linda Gary, who uh, passed away um, not too long after actually recording this. Oh. Um, 1995. Well, I guess okay. it'd been a little bit, but she uh, she has an interesting career path as well. Okay. She was in Pirates of Dark Water. Fair enough. She's in Peter Pan and the Pirates, which oh. is another pirate Saturday morning cartoon. She was uh, Aunt May in the animated Spider-Man cartoon, which was one oh. of my favorite shows uh, as a kid. She was in the Little Mermaid <gasps> TV series. Oh, as? As female villager, fortune teller, and sea witch. Okay. She was in the Batman animated series for a couple episodes. <laughs> More or less, kind of doing the the same the same type of thing. Uh, she it, it's you know she's another one of those actresses who's been in a lot. She's been in Tailspin, Gummy Bears, the original Ducktales. Uh, has a couple of different characters. Uh, the real Ghostbusters. Um, she was in a TV movie that I'm sure Richie watched all the time as a kid uh, to get ready for his role. Um, the movie's called Top Cat and the Beverly Hills Cats. <laughs> hey, Top Hat, Top uh, Cat. <laughs> um i'm trying to find it oh she was in he-man she was a lot Uh of characters in he-man and she-ra oh my gosh and she was in two episodes of the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo oh yes so everything apparently ties together here well we're talking about hanna-barbera show so it makes sense that 
you know, all these characters kind of, all these <laughs> actors come around and, and do all these shows. I think the real reason the show went under was they just had the most star-studded cast. If you were somebody in Hollywood, you were in the show at some point. Yeah, absolutely. But you won't get credit for it because nobody gives you credit for it. No, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> it was so frustrating. It, it, it's very frustrating because I want to know mm. who Paul Simon, not Paul Simon, uh, Paul Williams plays. <laughs> And Paul Williams, if you don't know who Paul Williams, but uh, if you don't know who Paul Williams is, he is a John Williams brother. <laughs> you wish. No, John he was Williams a... directed the score of the of the show, right? <laughs> you wish. No, he's a singer songwriter, and uh, he's he's pretty famous. He's won a couple Oscars, or maybe just one Oscar. Eh. Uh, he was in Phantom <laughs> of the Paradise, um, and uh, he was he did a lot of stuff for like the Muppets and and whatnot. Anyways, back but, to the episodes. Yes. Um. What's his face? Bloth had sent out. He had been spying this whole scene, and he had sent Conk to go try to Conk and Mantis to go get capture Ren and get the treasures because he saw that Ren had the treasures. Because what a fool's errand! What a fool's errand! Like he, I don't. <laughs> every how episode. many? How, how many? It's it is Jesse and James trying to get Pikachu. Yeah. Um, Which why weren't they fired after like the third attempt of <laughs> not getting the Pikachu? I don't know. I'm also surprised that the that the Maelstrom is okay. Oh yeah, right now, yeah, um, right now mm-hmm. because something may happen to it. Ooh. Um, but they, but Ren disappears. Eventually, Morpho finds the paths to, or finds the footsteps to the secret lair that Jenna's from, and Jenna had taken the treasures. Yeah, so they have them now. Um, she's like, we have to go back where it all began. We have to go back to the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a Dharma station. Yeah, I was just gonna bring <laughs> that up. <laughs> um, also. Are we going to talk about voice actors later on in this episode? Uh, if you want to bring it up now, we can, but we don't have a definitive... Let's talk about it later. Okay. Um, because you can just go over all of them, because I forgot. There's somebody that's a big voice actor, and I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember who it is. Okay. Um, so they go to the lighthouse, um, and Morpho's chasing them, and then as they're on their way to the lighthouse, that's when Conk like, flies in. Um, and I forget... Oh, yeah. So they start trying to attack, and that gives Morpho time to come up, and Morpho starts trying to shoot them with the, the dark water guns, and so that chases Conk away, but it gave them enough time to catch up with uh, our friends. Um, so they get into the lighthouse and bar the door. Ayaz, Ayaz kind of, like, protects the door and makes sure that they're okay. Mm-hmm. But um, they... Oh yeah, Morpho sticks his tentacle because one arm is a tentacle. Oh yeah, we forgot to bring that up. Yeah. When it, it it's not just like he has a two face. It it's literally like half of his body. He's like half <laughs> tentacle, half, human, half tentacles. Yeah. Um and he reaches through the door and like chokes Jenna and we're like here she is. She's, She's going to die. Dead. She's, She's going to die. It. Which I uh, mean, it's not uncommon for people to die on the show. Yeah, which is a great part of the show. Yeah. Is it's willing to kill off characters. And she ha- and even when she he even when Ren takes a treasure and puts it on him, because he's, he, I thought he was going to be one of Oh, the... well, because he tries to cut off the tentacle with his sword, and That's the sword right. doesn't go through, and he's like, oh, what can I do? Oh, I have the, the treasures. treasures. And why doesn't he use more than one? He only needs one. I guess so. Yeah. Um, and I thought he was going to be one of the, like, the 13 demons of the Dark Dweller, because... Um, kind of like the beast in the bell but i don't even know if there are any of the other ones that are going to be revealed yeah um, anyways so he lets go of her and then she seems like she's dying and she puts together the picture of her and ren so you see baby ren yeah uh and um and then you kind of thought that she died but they're like able to revive her a little bit 
but then they like break through the door a little bit and start shooting black water and i thought they were gonna hit her and kill her yeah and um, they and almost they, hit everyone else like they it's everyone else yeah it's, it's so weird they get a lot of dark water in there and so everybody's running up to the top of the lighthouse oh no no she keeps saying you have to use the key to get down get to where it all began use the key because prime is prepared for this day use the key it's so weird to me though like all this all which we'll get i feel like the name of this episode should be we'll get into this later because i keep saying it but why wasn't this well i guess he wouldn't would have needed more treasure but i mean like all this was there the day she sent him out to get the treasures right right but they so when they we'll talk about yes this was all there this this was a backup plan that primus had but it wouldn't primus remember he only had the seven treasures oh that's right the last and this plan was supposed to only work if you had eight or more treasures right Um, they did say that they were surprised that this plan worked okay but before we get into what the plan is so she keeps pointing to this thing in the wand she's like there's the key, a key, the key, the key, key. and the key it, blade. In my head, I'm like, literally, the key your blade. blade is the key. And he's like trying to put different things in there. <laughs> like, I don't get it. He's Nothing's like a little working. baby trying to put yeah. like a circle in the square. And it's a slot that looks like you put a sword in mm. there. And it's so it's so clearly like use your blade as the key. <laughs> it's so it's so frustrating. <laughs> Maybe the stick will work. You <laughs> idiot. <laughs> he eventually does put it in and oh and she says if your plan if the plan works we'll be able to save Octopon and the treasures will never leave this place again. I'm like, "Oh. That's a very oh, definitive thing." That's a very definitive thing. Like, I don't know if that's like a good thing to happen. Oh, well the other thing too is like if they never went back to Octopon and they found all 13 treasures of Rue. Like, rule. 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 Rue. Like, what, I guess, his would his first thought be like, oh, we got to bring these back to Octopon? The, the compass would tell him what to do. Oh, that's the right. The compass hasn't really done anything lately. Well, they haven't found any treasures in the that's last three true. episodes. No, that's true. Um, so they, he puts the sword in, and it turns around, and it's kind of like the fireplace in Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah, in uh, he, Last Crusade, yeah. And, and it just turns him around, So and then he's like on this little... Elevator. Elevator, fireman pole thing. Yeah. And he goes down in the ground, which feels very much like a Dharma station. Oh, yeah, it does. Meanwhile, everybody else is being like attacked by dark water and Morpho, and they're just like trying to run up the lighthouse to the top. And like... um. Ios puts up a good fight. He does, yeah. Ios, he's, he's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. He can take, he can stand against them. Like he, can't, he can't stand against dark water at the end of the day, but yeah. otherwise, he's pretty good. Ren grinds the elevator down to where it all began because she said this has to go where it all began, the lighthouse. It's like when, uh, when they go and see Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, at the bottom, From I thought, last. sorry, <laughs> I, I honestly thought that this is going to be some sort of like king primus has some secret sin like he sacrificed somebody or like there like he has something evil that he did that released dark water originally and he was trying to get the treasures to correct his heir almost though it seemed like that yeah because there's he goes down to the bottom of this elevator and there's a pit of water there not un, not unlike the one that's in the throne room yeah and the dark dweller actually comes out of it and attacks Ren. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this seems very much like Primus did something here bad. Yeah, he is the creator of the dark water. 
That's what you feel like should be the reveal that should here. Be, that's what I really want it to be. And I don't know if Pirates of Dark Water is advanced enough that they can say that. If that's going to be like a direction that they go. And maybe we'll find out in the next couple maybe, episodes. Maybe we'll but, find out. But Sam, what happens? Because this is something that you talked about last episode oh, that yeah. you wanted. I wanted a place for all the, the things to go. And so what happens is he bites the bag. I oh yeah mic. yeah ren is, ren is being held up by like one leg and the dark dweller has the treasures in the other hand and he's like i'm gonna destroy them like the infinity stones yeah and ren bites them like a little dog and then the the stones like fall but then they attach themselves to the mirrors yeah and it's exactly what i was talking about where i wanted like a place for all of them to be but i wanted like an infinity gauntlet that he could just be like dark water dark water (laughs) you didn't want the infinity lighthouse yeah that's what i want that's that's or a staff or something where he could just like then we want to oh you know what i thought i thought he put him in the sword like why wouldn't he put him in his sword there's like has holes in it yeah that would make sense yeah that's that's what i should have said in that last episode Because it just makes more sense, like, oh, you put in the sword, and then maybe the, the sword, like, grows, what, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, why do you think the sword is only half a blade? The yeah. other half is literally the treasures. Uh, but that's not the case, though. We don't know. We don't know, but... Because the... Anyway, the treasures, uh, the seven of them land on seven mirror panels, and they zap the dark water, and then the dark water... Or not dark the water, dark, the, dark the dark dweller. dweller. Yeah. And shoots down into the water seals the rift in the ocean that the dark dweller is able to get through at least in that area and, and restores a section of octopi yeah because it also shoots up into the lighthouse shines out the light gives everybody a seizure oh uh, yeah it's like the the polygon episode of uh pokemon right um the porygon yeah morpho is cast out into the water and like in it, it as everything the light touches becomes the Lion King. Yeah. Um, but no. It is. Octo- everything the light touches like, restores. is restored. Yeah. For the, a section largely, of it. A large part of it. Half of it, I would say. Half of it. Um, yes. Because it's literally half seven, the treasures. Seven thirteenths. Right. Um, and uh, it's great. And then uh, Jenna's still alive. And she tells him, yeah, most of it's restored. Octopon won't fully be restored. And- this is my favorite part. Because this is very much like a season finale. It's not just, congratulations, you saved half of Octopon. It's now, dude, like, congrats, you saved half of Octopon. But, dude, like, the treasures are going to start melting and it's going to be really hard for you to find the rest of them. It shows the treasures. Like, it shows one, like, in the bottom of an ocean. Mm. And it's a jewel and it melts. And she's like, they're changing form, so now it's going to be harder to find them. And I'm like just use the compass yeah still but this that feels very like oh shoot we need something for season two uh because it's it's been too easy for them to find the treasure they they change shapes but it is it is rewarding in a sense of like okay if the show was to to end at least they've done something with the treasures yeah they've done something new like something is new there's something permanent octopon is partially restored yeah um and so like if that was if this is where it ends it, there's still more episodes left but if this is where it ends where octopon is just partially restored i can be okay yeah and then well it's not just octopon that gets restored it's the the people oh yeah yeah it takes away morphos spell and people come back to being the normal selves except for morphos except for morphos who jumps on to uh the bloth's the ship maelstrom. the maelstrom and it's just like, hey, I'm part of your crew now. Season two, baby. <laughs> right. It, it pretty much is that. He tells Bloth, yeah, we're going to work together. Yeah. yeah. Um, which could be good. Let's see if Bloth is the blunt. Let's see if Morpho is as blundering as Bloth or if Morpho is actually going to like whip that 
crew back in. I really also we forgot. Giant waves emanated from the lighthouse oh, yeah. and washed over the maelstrom, and I was so excited. That it was going to get destroyed. And it didn't get destroyed, but its sails were all torn and tattered. Like, it needs to be repaired. Yeah, which, you know, next episode, it's it going to be. be. It's fine. Yeah. But I, I love this idea, though, that it's like, you seem like the big bad. I'm going to join your crew. And Bloss like, yeah, cool. And then it's like, Bloth is this bumbling idiot, and it's just like torture for Morphos. I right. just I just want this like dynamic uh, so badly and I want Morphos to just like it's like the the Frank Grimes episode of the Simpsons uh, which I I don't know if Richie gets nope, that reference I don't but get that reference. There's an episode of the Simpsons with uh, Frank Grimes. Essentially there's a there's a straight man character who enters the world of the Simpsons and just points out every awful thing that Homer Simpson does at work and it's just like how is this company still alive? How are you still alive? Like and Homer Simpson's like oh I just do this this and that. That's what I really hope that relationship is between Morphos and uh, Bloth. And Bloth. <laughs> that would be really funny. But I'm, I'm, and Conk should get fired at this point. Or eaten by the constrictors. Yeah. Even, it, even Mantis. Yeah. I think Mantis should be promoted because Mantis is fairly capable. Yeah. He, okay. So if we're, I think their healthcare should stay the same. There should be a coffin for every member. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, if we're blue skying the 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 way the order of the the maelstrom now, um, Bloth should keep his position, but maybe get a title change. But it's more or less like the the same same position. Uh, Kong should get fired. Maybe give him one more chance to give him one more mission. I mean, and then... keep in mind, Bloth is the only person who's actually gotten. I mean, in the first episode, he had a tre- he had the treasures for like two episodes. That's true. He, he, of everybody, he's had the treasures the most. Him and Ren are very similar where they're both, <laughs> both just like, yeah, okay, cool. That's the way. That's how we're doing it. <laughs> Great. Like when, when Bloth is at the, the old lady's place and she's like, you're going to do this wedding. He's like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. And then Ren, when like the giant head of Primus comes up and he's like, this is going to change everything. He's like, yeah, cool. That's going to, that's good. Or even when he, he meets, he meets uh, his dad for the first time. He's like, yeah, okay. This is what I'm doing now. I'm an adventurer. They both have that just like, yeah, cool. That's just how the show needs to go. Sure. It makes sense in my head. <laughs> it makes sense in your head. But um, we didn't talk about the giant floating head of Primus that much. There's a floating head of Primus in this episode? Yeah, because he goes down there and he's like, oh, my king. What should I Oh, dad, what oh, should I do? that's right. And then he's like, do the thing. And he's like, okay, I did the thing. That's right. So you like this episode. There's a floating head. There is. I like it a little bit more because of the floating head. Yep. But um yeah, so more or less like this is a weird like part season premiere, season finale kind of thing. It's setting up the next few episodes, which is like we said last week, it's like four episodes in a row and then it's another like year break. Right. Interesting. Yeah, so uh overall, good episode. There's a floating head, which I really enjoyed. And who's the new voice actor introduced? Okay, so thank you for bringing that up we're finally getting to it so i was desperate to figure out who morphos was and the end credits of the show does nothing to help that because it just shows a like three or four columns of names and i was just looking at the names and i'm like okay some of this makes sense and then I'm like, oh paul williams okay that's interesting and then <laughs> i see it um one of my favorite actors uh and character actors and he's in maybe three or four of my favorite movies of all time uh 
We've already referenced him at least once. We have. His name is Jonathan Reese Davies, who is uh, Richie. Actually, finally knows who Jonathan Reese Davies is. He is Gimli, and he is also Sala. Also Sala, and also Kasim, Aladdin's dad in <laughs> the third Aladdin movie. Very I'm important. Very which which important Aladdin role. movie, Richie? The third one, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Man, everything is tying together. That's the craziest everything. thing about this podcast. This is the Disney Renaissance in, <laughs> in one, one show. show. That's so funny. Like I, I maybe we've mentioned him on the show, but like I, but it was is, just so shocking to see his name on there. And I, I guess in the early nineties. No, he would have been Sala in the 80s in the Indiana Jones movies. But who was he the voice of? We don't know. <laughs> Anybody? But if you look on IMDb, he's not even given... Uh, he's given credit for being in the next... The rest of the series, actually. Yeah. A lot of these actors are like credited, like Tress McNeil, who's a, a, a voice actress, who if you look on her IMDb, she's done so much. A lot of these people are interesting names and people, voice actors that I really like, but... They're not attributed to any of the the characters, and it's not like, you know, there's there's not a there there are some like side characters who kind of don't matter or whatever, right. and you know, there's a lot of additional voice credits. But mm-hmm. I feel like I would know who Jonathan Reese Davies is, and my thought was it was King Primus, but I, I Primus has showed him in a lot of episodes, and he's not given episode he hasn't been given credit yet. Yeah, I don't know, and uh, and it's not more for more for. Morphos. Morpho. Yeah, and there's another weird on IMDb. There's another actor who was the chef in The Little Mermaid who's apparently in this episode. I think he's the guy that says, um, uh, the the guy, the red Martian guy, he says that we're going to take you to our leader. Maybe. And then, um, yeah. What a weird, I just. Yeah. Even if you look on Wikipedia, Wikipedia doesn't even give him credit for being on Pirates of Dark Water. Yeah, because there's no attribution to him other than uh, additional voices by. Yeah, but it doesn't even have that on Wikipedia. What so a we weird... could make a change to a, a big Wikipedia page. Because, hey, uh, Mr. Uh, Reese Davies, if you are listening. He to... also doesn't have a Twitter, so we can't ask him. No, I'm asking him on Eric. So he has a uh, Google alert for every project he's been on. Hey, did you know he's going to be in the new Pilgrim's Progress animated movie? Wait, what? He has a Google what? Uh, Google Alert. Do you know what a Google Alert is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at Jonathan Reese davies uh, IMDb right now. Hi, uh, my name is Sam, and welcome to the Reese davies cast, a podcast <laughs> dedicated to uh, Jonathan Reese davies uh, one of my favorite uh, character actors. Um, he was in uh, Lord of the Rings. He was in uh, Indiana Jones. Um, oh, yeah. He also, who voiced, who voiced Morpho? Uh, Frank Welker. Which oh, we, we, did we already talk about that we already? Did, we did okay, already good. talk about that, which uh, I said he was the MVP of the show. His goodness, him and, yeah, I would just say him. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, he's my, my MVP of the show, and I guess we can uh, <laughs> talk about it. Now I'm just like, we're doing that thing where I'm going through the, uh, the comic book. <laughs> but, oh, did you know he was the voice of Treebeard? Who? Jonathan Reese Davies. What? He was Gimli and the voice of Treebeard. How is I like how Lord of the Rings I like how I made the Lord of the Rings reference twice in this episode. Yeah. It's like the Legolas, Legolas and Gimli. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess I'm I don't know why I never thought of that. Cause I guess like that voice is just so deep. Fair and enough. I guess it 
He's also plays Man Ray in SpongeBob. <laughs> um, he's also was in a Sinbad cartoon. Oh, you know, John John Reese Davies, he must be playing he must not have a um a main character role because he is given credit as game players of Undar. Which is the next episode or two episodes later or something. Yeah, so I think that he just like joins the additional cast. Which is weird because like he's uh he plays Thor in the Incredible Hulk cartoon and he he's of course Sala in the Indiana Jones ride. He 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 says the brakes may need a little adjusting. Easy on the curves, haha. <laughs> yeah. But like, why? I I wonder, like, because he has such a distinct voice. I just wonder why, like, joining this show, it it's just like you're an additional voice, and it's. I just feel like everybody in Hollywood was in the show at this time. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of interesting names. Man, Jonathan Reese Davies. Uh, or John Reese Davies. I keep saying Jonathan like I know him. <laughs> oh, everybody calls him John, but I call him Jonathan. <laughs> he was in uh, Aquaman too, but uh, whatever. Yeah, there's, there's. We're gonna talk about the voice cast just for like two minutes because I know we need to wrap up. But man, there's some cool people on this show. Uh, someone named Nan Martin, who I believe, uh, was the librarian in Ghostbusters. <laughs> um she's in this um that's maybe not the most interesting but i i saw her picture i do i didn't realize when did Ayaz's voice change over to jim cummings has he switched over yet i think so because he was uh hector uh hector elizondo yeah and if you see his picture you've seen him in things like he's a recognizable actor um tress mcnail uh mcneil who i referenced earlier uh she was in uh she was like dot and animaniacs Oh yeah, didn't we also talk about Bloth? Who he was? Oh yeah, which I th- I'm sure we must have talked about in the first episode. But if you've ever seen uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, he's uh, uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> um, goodness, what's his uh, Brock Tom Brady? No, uh, the guy. Uh, Bo- if you've ever seen To Bo- Kill a Mockingbird, Bo- Bradley. Blue Radley. Boo Radley. Uh, Boo Radley. No, yeah. not Boo Radley. That's uh he was Tom Robinson. Boo Radley was the 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 creep who lived up next door and that was uh Robert Duvall in his oh. first ever acting role. <laughs> I forget what Tom Robinson to- was on on trial and uh Gregory Peck was uh defending him. Uh I'm trying to see if there's any other weird connections cuz now I'm just since the last episode's like crazy like uh goro coincidence yeah that was that was crazy i'm sure that there will come up more i i'm sure but it's like they have a pretty like solid cast like not solid but like a consistent cast from uh here on out since this is kind of season two but not really season two um yeah no uh he was in greatest adventures from the bible which was one of my favorite (laughs) Hannah Barbera shows it has okay oh. if you've never seen the intro for uh greatest adventures of the bible uh look it up i love that intro um like the superbook intro better oh how dare you but superbook is very <laughs> good um bible man has a very underrated opening. <laughs> oh no anyway so that's gonna do it for us um this has been the podcast of dark water uh two long episodes in a row like we're we're getting into like plot heavy episodes which is really cool reading into deep dark water we sure are um so with that i'm gonna start the music right here Ooh.
that's a that's a good theme song uh so yeah to to end this i'm gonna say that i'm sam and this is richie and we always like to end the show by saying ever the quest i was gonna go up that was so funny Wow, almost. Yeah, it's almost like we were totally in sync this episode and we didn't have to restart this three times. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for us. Bye.